Hi, I'm Akina. And I'm Laurel. And this is Jane Austen Culture Night Association for the Research and Creation of World Peace. <laughs> and unification. <laughs> In this week's episode, you will find embarrassing families, manipulative men, gossip, bad dancing, card games, and spoilers, and of course, always some cursing. This week, we're reading chapters 16 through 18 in Pride and Prejudice. So I feel like the summary of this week's chapters, 16 through 18, it's like bookended by two parties. Yes. We start out at the auntie's house, Aunt Phillips, Mm -hmm. and there's like a smaller party there with the officers. And then at the end of chapter 18 or chapter 18 is mostly involved with the ball that's been long awaited for at Netherfield mm-hmm. with, it seems like uh, quite a few families are, are present. Right. And the officers. Yes. Sans one very particular. Yes. <laughs> Red so coat. what happens at the Phillips party? So um, something very important happens at the (gasps) Phillips party. Yes. We have Mr. Wickham in attendance, who everyone's very excited about, the uh, very charming man we met in the last chapters. Uh, They invited him to the aunt and uncle's house. And we learned some very interesting information. Wickham, uh, Elizabeth's really curious about this interaction, this weird interaction that happened with Darcy last time. And she ends up talking to Wickham and they sort of skirt around it a little bit. And then they get into, uh, you know, why this was happening. And Wickham tells his whole story of how he grew up with Darcy and his father worked for the estate And so they grew up together. His father was kind of like his godfather, I think. Yeah. And yeah. And then when Darcy's father passed away, he put it in his will to give Wickham a living. So he had uh, the, the parish, the church that he could, you know, bestow on someone just like Mr. Collins was bestowed the yes. <laughs> the living by Lady Catherine de Berg. Um, Wickham was supposed to go into the church and then, um, you know, would his salary would be paid by the estate. But apparently, according to Wickham, when uh, when the father died, Darcy refused to give him the living and he gave it to someone else. And so Wickham was denied his right to the church and basically left with nothing. And so that's why he has to become, has to go into the military. And Elizabeth is appalled. She's like, oh my goodness, how could this happen? And, um, you know, he says, well, you know, Darcy was always jealous of my relationship with his father. And basically everything that Wickham is saying is confirming Lizzie's um, bias that 
Darcy is not a good person and he's not just uh, proud and arrogant and a little bit stuck up. He's also done some really awful things. So, yeah. So that's, uh, so that is what we learn, uh, at the party. Yeah. He also, Liz, Lizzie wants to know all of this. Yeah. But as soon as Wickham enters, she's like, he's, I just met him once for two minutes. He's not going to tell me anything. Right. Like maybe I can get the smallest gleaning But what does Wickham do? He doesn't play cards with everyone else. He comes and he sits down right next to Elizabeth. And he basically talks her ear off about how awful Darcy is. And the whole time she's like, can I possibly hear more? Like, I would really (laughs) like to hear more about this. But like, I can't, you know, like, I'm too polite to like, ask any real follow up questions. But somehow during their conversation, like Wickham keeps coming back and uh, he's giving her everything she wants to hear, basically. Yeah. Yeah. He's very careful to before he starts talking bad about Darcy, you know, he says, oh, I can't I couldn't possibly judge. I'm too close to him. He starts hinting at that they have a history. Right. And he doesn't want to say anything bad about it. And he waits until Elizabeth says, well, I don't think much of him. You know, we we all think every he's not very popular here. Oh, that's right. And then he's like, "Okay, I can tell my story. (laughs) I'm going to really, you know, he knows where he stands now and he can open up and and tell this whole tale. Right. Also, Mr. Collins is present. Mm -hmm. He makes kind of fast friends with Aunt Phillips because uh, he's telling her all about his patroness, Lady Catherine de Burke, yeah. which she gets really excited to know the details because they don't have People magazine back then. So she gets <laughs> to hear like all about how this really wealthy person lived. And it's like and how big her drawing room is. <laughs> yeah, and it talks about uh, Jane Austen writes that like on Phillips is just like soaking this in. So as soon as everyone leaves, she can run and tell all of her neighbors everything. <laughs> Um, and then, but while Mr. Collins is talking, Mr. Wickham hears Mr. Collins mention Lady Catherine de Bourgh and mentions, oh, that's very surprising. That's to hear that name because that's Mr. Darcy's aunt. Mr. Yes. Darcy's mother is sis, was, while she was alive, she was sisters with Lady Catherine de Bourgh. Mm-hmm. And he also mentions that Lady Catherine de Bourgh has her daughter, which will most likely end up marrying Mr. Darcy so that the cousins can unite both estates. Right. And Elizabeth gets some like schadenfreude. (laughs) She gets some (laughs) pleasure out of thinking of Caroline Bingley and all of her efforts to win over Darcy and having that just be for naught. Exactly. She's pretty excited. Um, She... Mr. Wickham also mentions uh, Mr. Darcy's younger sister, mm-hmm. who's he's a guardian of. And he said, oh, she was a very good child. But, um, you know, he hasn't seen her in a little while. And he kind of like, I feel like he like. He says that like, now she's too much like her brother. Yeah, he, he was like kind of puts her down. 
Yeah. He said we were really uh, close when we were younger. And then now she's grown to be too proud and too much like her brother. Yeah. Um, Oh, my gosh. There's like a bunch of sirens in the background. Do you hear them? (laughs) No. (laughs) So many. (laughs) They're like too much gossip alert. (laughs) Too much. Um. So they were able to have this fairly private conversation because there was so much card playing going on and people were really distracted. Um, And it also wasn't like a huge party. It sounds like it was some of the officers, then Elizabeth and her sisters, but her parents didn't show up. Right. And so then uh, chapter 17 deals with Elizabeth going home and telling her sister Jane what happened with Mr. Wickham. And Jane is horrified that he was so mistreated, but she also is convinced that there's some reason to make everything okay. Like she doesn't believe that Darcy could be that cruel. She doesn't believe that Mr. Bingley could be that, um, that blind, yeah, he right. d- that he could be blinded by his friendship. He, she says, you know, I think, uh, I think there must be some explanation to give credit to both people. Right? Yeah, she thinks she she thinks well of everyone, as we know already. And yeah. so she's think there must be some other explanation, and she thinks, you know, we've never seen Darcy, you know, like we've we've seen him be proud and and yeah. this but that doesn't match with being completely you know sinister and and acting in this way so she's not convinced yeah and then elizabeth is like you know what mr bingley is so sweet he's probably like probably mr darcy's treating him badly and he like barely even notices because he's just too nice of a person so elizabeth doesn't really believe jane's yeah and mr wickham in the previous conversation too he's so good at this he's like this is like a master class in manipulation he's already set up the premise that mr darcy can please where he wants to yes that he can put on a front and especially when he's in the company of other wealthy people he plays on this classism and this wealth insecurity when he's in company of people who are wealthy then he can act very obliging and he comes off as generous and he does all these things like giving to the poor and but that's not all of who he is like he's just dropped you know already setting up any 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 kind of uh yeah he's setting up anything that could counter his story he's already implanted these ideas he's so evil okay (laughs) um so while jane and elizabeth are talking and like trying to figure out like what really happened like what do you think um they get interrupted they're in their yard um because the bingley sisters have come to invite them oh and their brother Mm -hmm. have come to invite them for a party yeah, a ball. The I ball guess field. Enough white soup has been made. <laughs> they got the white soup oh, order. Gross. <laughs> oh, so gross! What is wrong with these people? <laughs> <sighs> um, yeah. So 
Elizabeth is excited, but in her excitement, she asks her cousin, Mr. Collins, if he thinks it's acceptable to dance. Because around that time, in um, a lot of Christian clergymen circles, there was starting to be the feeling that like playing cards and dancing were like too secular and not approved, like they weren't approved of by the church. And Mr. Call, it totally backfires on her. I think she just wanted him to say something stupid, but instead he says, Oh, I have no problem dancing and I would love for to dance with you. And so he asks her to reserve the first two dances of the ball. So that means the first 30 minutes she's going to be dancing with Mr. Collins. And she was really hoping that she would see Wickham and be able to dance with him at the ball. Oh yeah. So she has to dance with him for the first two dance, which the first two dances are like a big deal. It seems like yes. in the beginning, Jane dances the first two dances with Bingley, right? Or yeah. he dan- she dances the first dance with Bingley and then he dances th- some others and comes back to her or something. Yeah. I think Dances seem to be done in pairs. Like you yeah. dance two dances with your partner. That would make sense. So not like every 15 minutes, people are splitting up and coming back together. So you dance like for 30 minutes. Yeah. And then he had asked for another two dances like later on. But it seems like ball. it seems like the first two dances, that's yeah. like who you go to the dance with. Yeah. Your right? favorite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so she's bummed. She's so sad. Um, But she's still excited to go to the dance. Everyone's excited to go to the dance. Even Mary. Mary's (laughs) Mary's is unusually willing to be social. And um, I thought it was funny. There's a line in here where um, Elizabeth is, she's not just looking forward to dancing with Wickham. She's looking forward to seeing Darcy's face and like that interaction when she's with Wickham. So I was like, oh, interesting. She's so bad. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. So then the ladies go and it's rainy for a few days and they're very sad because then they don't get to walk to Meriton to get new ribbons for the dance. But just a few days later, the dance occurs. And in chapter 18, we start out, Elizabeth runs and, you know, the doors are open. She looks around for Wickham and he's not there. Not at the dance. And we find out she's worried that maybe Darcy excluded him purposely, which is not what happened. But we do find out that, you know, he had to go to business in town. And maybe if Darcy hadn't been at the ball, Wickham could have you rearrange things. He was like not inclined to go. Yes. Wickham's friend, uh, Denny is his name. Um, takes Elizabeth aside and is like, Oh, I know you probably wish that he was here. He mentioned like that he would have liked to see you, but he had to go to London for business. That wasn't really important. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. So he, is not there and she's bitterly disappointed especially because just a few days earlier at her aunt's house mr wickham said well i there's i feel blameless in this situation so if there's any an opportunity if there's ever an opportunity to be in the room with mr darcy like i'm not 
I'm not going to say no just because he's there. Right. He says if if he wants to avoid me, he can go. Yes. And then just a couple days later, he's avoiding the whole situation. Anyway, and then, of course, Elizabeth has to dance with Mr. Collins. Oh, and it's awful. He's a terrible dancer. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently, he just, like, steps on her feet the whole time. Yeah. And it's very awkward, and she has to suffer through these dances. Yes. Uh, The whole night is not going her way. Yeah, it says the moment of her release from him was ecstasy. <laughs> and then she danced with an an officer after Mr. Collins who told her that everyone loves Wickham so much and that made yeah. her really happy. And He's then very popular. And then when she finished dancing, she went over to talk with her best friend, Charlotte Lucas, and they were mm-hmm. talking when all of a sudden Mr. Darcy came up and asked her to dance and she was so surprised that she just said yes and so he he left because he was going to come back and collect her for the dance and charlotte was like you know it'll be fine just go dance with him and she's like but i hate him and charlotte's like yeah he's super fucking rich so like maybe just like (laughs) just like be nice to him (laughs) yeah just like she says Charlotte whispered to her not to be a simpleton and just was like, yeah, just go fucking dance with him and don't be all crazy, please. (laughs) But Elizabeth is like, just at this point, she just cannot help herself. She just wants to confront Darcy so badly. And then we get this great scene where they're dancing and she is at first she's like I'm going to be silent I'm not going to talk to him and then there's this great line till suddenly fancying that it would be the greater punishment for her partner to oblige him to talk <laughs> she made some slight <laughs> conversation to the dance so she starts having this conversation and then she starts getting in these like pointed digs at him and it's so yes. like the dramatic irony here is so amazing because we know that she's really mad at him, but he doesn't know that. And he thinks that she's like, wow, she's talking to me. We're having a conversation. We're maybe flirting. Like, <laughs> it's just so great. Um, and then she just can't help herself. She says... When you met us in Meryton the other day, we had just been forming a new acquaintance. So she brings up Wickham while they're fucking dancing. Yeah, and he says, Mr. Wickham is blessed with such happy manners as may ensure his making friends, whether he may be equally capable of retaining them, is less certain. Yes, and then Elizabeth answers, he has been so unlucky as to lose your friendship and in a manner which he is likely to suffer from all of his life. So she makes it clear that she heard Wickham's story and she fucking believes him and she thinks him a terrible person who would go against his own father's wishes to help this boy whose father had done so much in 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 making the estate like a stable place and um, bringing in money and then he just threw away the son and didn't give him a foothold in the world so right 
Darcy doesn't really know what to say. And then Charlotte's dad comes up and kind of like bumps into them and just says, gives them all these compliments. He's like such a bumbling, sweet dad. He's just like, you guys dance so well. This is so lovely to see, blah, blah, blah. And uh, I feel (laughs) like- Right in the middle of this tension. He was used the same way before when when he refused to dance and there was like all this tension and they're like angry. And then Mr. Lucas comes in and he's like, oh, what a lovely couple you make. (laughs) He's like so bumbling and innocent and good natured. Where, like, I feel like most people who are bumbling, like, like Lizzie's mom or something, they right. just end up like sticking their foot in their mouth. But for some reason, when Mr. Lucas does it, I like, I'm just like, you sweet man. Right. Well, it adds to this juxtaposition of this, oh, they look like they're having a really good time, but we know that they're like going at it right now. And then he <laughs> even realizes that, like, Elizabeth looks angry, but he was like, he was like, oh, Lizzie is probably just mad at me for interrupting um, the dance. Interrupting the dance. <laughs> I'll let you continue. And then, so then they, um, also what's really important about Mr. Lucas's um, little, little conversation is that he congratulates Lizzie oh, yes. on the potential marriage of Mr. Bingley and Jane and he doesn't he just says like I like well what congratulations will then flow in so while he's talking congratulating her on a match which is not yet happened right Mr. Darcy looks a little bit freaked out right he starts he, he looks real serious he looks over to Bingley and Jane and yeah, it gets this really serious look on his face and we know something's up. And then Mr. Darcy kind of tries to change the subject and talk with Lizzie while they're dancing about books. But she gets to, I don't know, she's like, I don't really want to talk about books. And then um, she says at some point, like, I hear such different accounts of you as puzzle me exceedingly. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, so so they snipe at each other a little bit and then they part in silence. Um and it's it feels like Darcy it says in on each side dissatisfied, though not to an equal degree, for in Darcy's breast there was a tolerable, powerful feeling towards her, which soon procured her pardon and directed all his anger against another. Mm. Which is so sweet. It is. I feel like when I'm mad at like if my husband, I'm just like really mad at him. <laughs> I find it so sweet that he could be like upset with her and then but just also kind of see that like she's just been taken in by Wickham. Yeah, she's been misled. She's been taken advantage of. And he's really upset about that. Yeah. And then the rest of the chapter is basically Lizzie's, all of her relations embarrassing themselves. <laughs> it's a crazy shit show that like cringes me all the time. Like reading it is a huge cringe fest. But like also just like occasionally I'll just think about this scene randomly and just cringe all over again because it's so fucking embarrassing. Well, before all the cringing stuff happens, 
Mr. Bingley's sister comes oh, yeah. up and oh, is yeah, like, that's important. was like, your sister Jane was just asking me about George Wickham. And let me tell you, lady, that there's no reason to give him any credit whatsoever. He's terrible. He yeah. used Darcy badly. And Elizabeth's kind of like, well, what do you know for certain? Like, have you met him before? Like, yeah. What actually happened? Right. She says, uh, he probably didn't tell you that he was, um, you know, his uh, Darcy Stewart. And uh, so she starts off that way. And then so Elizabeth's response is, actually, he did tell me that. And basically, all you've accused him of is being poor. So you're actually a horrible person. And, you know, Thanks anyway. Um, yeah. And she's like, yeah, you're not telling me anything new except like, and you're, it seems like you don't even know what you're talking about at all. So right. thanks, but no thanks. Yeah. So she does not want to, uh, She and she's not inclined to believe Caroline Bingley either no. because Caroline has been pretty horrible to her. Um, and yeah. she probably tells her this information she does because it says she sneers. She's like Caroline is very happy to tell her <laughs> that yes. the guy that you're really into is not a good guy. <laughs> yeah. Um. Then the first. Okay. So everyone except for Jane. Everyone embarrasses uh, Lizzie. Yes. First of all, we have Mr. Collins. What does Mr. Collins do? Mr. Collins decides when he finds out that Darcy's here and Darcy is Lady Catherine de Bourgh's nephew, he's like, oh, I have to go introduce myself to Mr. Darcy. And introductions are like a huge deal. There's this very formal way that they're done. You're not supposed to just go up and introduce yourself. It's like the person who has the higher rank has to introduce themselves or you have to be introduced by somebody who's like a mutual third party. It's it's very structured and weird. But Elizabeth knows the rules and she's like, please don't do this. (laughs) He'll find it impertinent. It's going to be really embarrassing. He's not going to like it. And uh Mr. Collins is like, nope, I know better. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it, and he yeah, does. He, he's <laughs> like, you're not in the clergy. You don't un- understand that, like, we're we're not held to the same standards, or like, we have different, yeah, ways of going about things. So it's and that, totally and, fine for me. Yeah, and also, you know, you're a woman, and so I know better than you. Basically, his whole speech. But he's also saying like. If this was like, you know, I value your opinion and I would take it very seriously in any other way because he's kind of starting to already drop hints Mm. to her that she is become his chosen future wife. Right. Because he asked her to dance the first two dances and, and just like little things he says where he's like, like he sought her out to tell her that Mr. Darcy is there and he's right. really excited. Like she's become his person and right. she, and Lizzie is freaked out because she doesn't want to marry Mr. Collins, right. but she also figures, you know what? He hasn't proposed. I'll just yeah. deal with that when it comes. To she's it. hoping she's, she's like hoping it'll just not happen. and <laughs> She can avoid it somehow. Yeah. 
So Mr. Collins runs to Darcy and starts chatting with him. And Lizzie is just watching from the other side of the room and can tell Mr. Darcy's face is like white and he looks really uncomfortable and like, like yeah. he wants, he's just like kind of upset. And everybody around them too is kind of like, this is weird. But Mr. Collins, it doesn't phase him at all. He's like, oh, we had a wonderful conversation. And it was great. <laughs> was like, yeah. Oh. Mr. Collins like <laughs> runs back to Elizabeth after their conversation is over. And it was like, that went so great. And yeah. she's just like, you fucking idiot. Right. Okay. So who else embarrasses Lizzie? <laughs> um, so next is Mrs. Bennett. Yeah. Um, so they all sit down to dinner. Dancing's over. Darcy is sitting, I think, somewhat close to Lizzie. And Lizzie is sitting somewhat close to her mom. Mm -hmm. And her mom is sitting next to Lady Lucas. Yeah. Or across the table. And they're chatting up a storm. And Lady Lucas, um, so Charlotte's mom, is loudly congratulating Mrs. Bennett on Jane's future marriage to Mr. Bingley. I'm, oh my God, Mrs. Bennett is so fucking excited. Cause really, like, this means that maybe she can relax. She's like, so she's talking really loudly about the preparations for the wedding. She's talking about how this will be great because this will put her other daughters in the path yes. of rich men. So she's saying this really loudly at a party. Which is so gauche, <laughs> Mrs. Bennett. <laughs> it's <is> so crazy. <laughs> um, and Elizabeth is like, keep your voice down, mom. Like, yeah, this, like the marriage, like there haven't been any proposals yet. Right, right. And she's like, Mr. Darcy can hear you. Like, yeah. this is not good. And her mom is just like, well, I don't give one shit about Mr. Darcy. Right. Yeah. And She's, you know, I think everybody's probably a little bit drunk on the white soup by now. <laughs> Why did you have to bring that up? I'm going to go barf. <laughs> They're a little bit loopy. <laughs> what if it's just like food poisoned soup or something? Oh, like, no. would they even know the difference? I feel like... <laughs> Just think that they have hangovers the next day. Oh, um, yeah. So she knows Lizzie knows that Mr. Darcy can hear them, and he's looking really like shocked, right, and upset, right. And she's sort of seeing her family through his eyes, right, or through Caroline Bingley's eyes, because she knows, you know, her younger sisters are. Um, flirting with all of the officers and being really loud and, uh, you know, rocket a little bit raucous. And then poor Mary wants okay, to Okay, yeah. So perform. what does Mary do? <laughs> Mary wants to perform uh, piano and, like, show off her talents a little bit. Um, but, uh, and, you know, people are polite the first time she performs. But then she takes that as like, oh, they want me to play more. So she starts playing another piece and everyone's like, oh, no, <laughs> because her yeah. playing is really stiff and and not that exciting. And, and she sings along with oh. her performance and apparently her voice is weak. Yeah, she has oh. a weak voice. Poor Mary. She just needs some voice lessons. 
and um, and then she kind of gets shooed off the stage. They're like, let somebody else. Uh, her but, father does, right? He's like, let, yeah. let some other ladies play, um, which is embarrassing for her and everyone. So, yeah, because she her father doesn't do it in like a nice way. It's yeah. basically like Lizzie kind of nudges her dad like, hey, you need to fucking do something because Mary is like warbling. Yeah. And like the, people are yeah, laughing the at her. Are yeah. kind of laughing at her. The only people that have not noticed the shit show that's going on is Jane and Mr. Bingley. They're just sitting in the and corner. Maybe Mr. Lucas. The- Mr. Lucas is probably like, this is totally. the best party ever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but Jane and Mr. Bingley are just like in the corner, uh, chatting away, having a great time. No one else exists but them. Yeah. And then, so, uh, so Elizabeth nudges her dad, who then gets up and really loudly says, like, hey, like, let's get off the stage and let other people play. But just in an abrupt way that, like, hurt Mary's feelings. Right. And also looked really awkward. Yeah. She's like, this is my only thing, is piano. <laughs> Yeah, and she was like, Elizabeth's like, oh, I, I shouldn't have even said anything to my dad because he just made it, like, weird and awkward now. Right. And then, like, and then Mr. Collins, like, gives a weird speech about how he's not a good singer and then bows to Mr. Darcy, which is just, like, fucking weird. <sighs> <Ugh. laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So she just realizes that, like, her whole family kind of just, like, made a mess of everything. Right. And then, of course, at the very end, Mrs. Bennett figured out a way to get their coach called last. And the um, so they're sitting around while everyone else had gone for, like, 15 or 20 minutes. And everyone else has left the party. Bingley and his sisters are exhausted. Mr. Darcy's tired. Everyone's really tired. Yeah. And they're just waiting around for 20 more minutes. And it gives an opportunity for Mrs. Bennett to be weird all over again. And again, it seems like the only people don't who don't notice are Jane and Mr. Bingley. But his the rest of his family or his group are just shocked. Right. The sisters uh, are like yawning and being yeah. really obvious about like, wow, we're so tired after that party. Like time to go. <laughs> yeah. And so they leave and Mrs. Bennett talks the whole way home about how excited she is because in her mind, two of her daughters are going to be married ASAP. Right. Yeah. Jane with Bingley and Elizabeth with Mr. Collins. Yeah. Which so. she's very excited about. Right. Mrs. So Bennett So that's what happens. I um I feel like we just spent the whole time talking about the summary again. Well, Are, so much happens. Yeah. These are some really juicy chapters. Yeah. I just feel like there's so much drama in those like 15 pages there are that's really important and we'll find out more about why they're important later yes i hope people appreciate the long summaries i don't know maybe people want short summaries and they're like i've already read this book i know what happens (laughs) i feel like uh the 
I try and like when we start out this summer, I used to give like a couple of just sentences of like what kind of happens right. before we go. So people, that's more for people who haven't read anything, so they know roughly what's going on. But so if you want, if you want to not actually read the book, but like you know, you've got a paper coming up, and you need to just listen to our summaries. <laughs> Instead yes. of reading the actual, but again, like you've said before, it probably takes less time to just read the actual book than it does to listen to us summarize it. Oh, totally, it. totally. <laughs> but yeah, it's just so important to understand that, like Elizabeth's family, really exposes themselves, right, as not just being like less wealthy than the Bingleys, which they already knew that, but like. Yeah not having essentially any manners. Right. There's no sense of decorum or like social awareness in yeah. And like you said like like just like shouting while the potential like the potential fiance is in the room just shouting about how if her daughter marries him it will throw her other daughters in the path of other rich men. Oh, it's my just God. like <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like that's some real housewives shit. It that's really- just like <laughs> you're just like lady, like you you're not supposed to say that out loud, right? You said the quiet part out loud. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, it's really important. It is. It is very important. Lots of stuff happens. I mean, I could spend the whole podcast just talking about Wickham. Oh, my God. I feel like I keep wanting to talk about him. And then I'm like, but we'll find out more about him later. We will. We will. We will. Um, Yeah. Yeah. There'll be be plenty of more time to talk about him. He's. Yeah. Just but just like his whole that whole conversation in that first chapter in this session. It's just I just thought like, wow, this is like a masterclass in covert narcissism and manipulation. (laughs) He knows what she wants to hear and he knows how to make himself seem like the victim and uh, to seem humble and trustworthy and all of these things. And yeah. And like, again, he's already set up. He's already sort of made counters to any um, set up all of these these little things that that can counter the story that if somebody, um, you know, confronts his story and says, well, that's not the way I heard it. He's already put those mechanisms in place for you to doubt uh, that yeah. new information. And it works because we yeah. already see that, like, uh, Caroline Bingley tried to um, warn Lizzie. Tried- yeah, tried to warn Lizzie, and she said, like, oh, he's the son of the steward. And, and Lizzie's like, yeah, he told me that. Right. Yeah, yeah. He this, he puts out the information first. He gives just enough Yeah. At, that it makes him seem trustworthy. You know, yeah, that's really important. But I also, and I, it reminded me of middle school when, mm-hmm. like, there's, like, a lot of drama I just remember always being confused by the phrase, like, this isn't personal, but blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, those <laughs> kinds of phrases where I would just be like, what? Like, 
Um, but yeah, it just feels so like middle school and, and, and dramatic, but what really got me was the end where the family just kind of devolves into insanity. Yeah. Cause maybe I think about it a lot cause it feels like a church family move. Oh God. Yes. Where like, I don't know. I feel like your family just from the outside seemed like it was able to like kind of fit in a little bit more, but I feel like so many families, it's like, like, first of all, like a lot of families are made up of like, we like, like all of our parents got matched very randomly. Yeah. And so it's like two people from like very different backgrounds, like thrown together. And half the time it was like an immigrant or like one or two immigrants thrown together. Yeah. And so you have that cultural barrier, but you also just like, I feel like my family would show up to like a school night or something. And we're all wearing like weird, like camp shirts or something. (laughs) And then, and like smiling and laughing at like weird shit and just like, I don't know. Like, like there was always this attitude that you were like kind of supposed to always be like witnessing or what yeah. we call proselytizing. Yeah. All the time. So like, I feel like my mom would act like really energetic and excited about things that weren't really exciting. And it would just like throw people off a little bit because she was trying to like make a good impression for mm. the church. And it's just like, yeah it's just like, like the worst and also just like being vaguely like poorer than like most other families and showing right. up and like like not having a cool like lunchable or something <laughs> but just like having like a weird peanut butter sandwich and that's right. it and uh how about how about <laughs> when you would invite a friend to come to your house no, i know what you're and about they to would say. S- <laughs> see a picture, picture. <laughs> Of, uh, of Reverend and Mrs. Moon, like hanging up somewhere in the house, like somewhere really important, yeah, like over the pride of place. pride of place. And if you're not Asian, which you and I are both like not not, you can't. You know, they're like, who yeah. are these people? And you can't say that they're a relative. I mean, you can, no. but then you look even more weird. You're just like, oh, they're uh. I, uh, oh, it's the worst. Do you remember being like, they're family friends? <laughs> yeah. I don't know what I said. I just, oh, And God. it's like also weird because I feel like a lot of church families, it's not like there were other photos in the wall. It's not like there's photos of like, like other people that you know or like lots of family photos. And then the family photos you would have would be like really weird. Like your younger sibling on their eight day ceremony where like everyone's wearing like white, white robes. And then they have like food piled everywhere and like little pile offering oh, tables. We oh, didn't God. have any of those hanging up thankfully. I didn't I mean, like, we had, like, no photos up at all except for the one of True Parents. So, like, but I just remember, like, our if we did, like, our photo album was full of, like, right. this is, like, the eight-day ceremony Weird or stuff. whatever. Yeah. I also remember not being able to sleep over at a friend's house on a Saturday on night. Saturday night. Yeah. Because yeah. we would have to wake up early on Sunday mornings to pray and do the yeah weird wake up at 4 30 yeah to be praying by five mm-hmm. so we could 
pray. And then there was like these like paragraphs it was called pledge. It was like kind of like I realized it's kind of like pledge of allegiance if it right. was like five paragraphs and about like <laughs> how you're gonna sacrifice your life to God. And then and eventually the you're supposed to learn it and do it all in Korean, which I never did. <laughs> also, well, I think that's because we didn't go to STF. I feel like yeah. if we had done the two-year program, we would have True. done it. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. We were we were bad I, girls. We yeah. <laughs> we rebelled and went to college. We went to the <laughs> university with all those liberal professors. And then we learned critical race theory, and here we are today. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. Occasionally, I would be allowed to go to a sleepover on a Saturday night and it would be like the best reprieve where like <laughs> it would be like pancakes in the morning and you know yeah. like oh it was very exciting and also when I was in middle school another church family with a girl my age moved to town mm-hmm. and that was really exciting because she could come to sleepovers nice on a Saturday night and yeah. that just rocked my world yeah <laughs> yeah it was just oh it's like being a kid is already really hard trying to and and all you want to do especially in middle school is fit in you just want to be a normal kid (laughs) and I just remember my whole middle school and high school experience was just pretending that I was like everybody else and yeah. It, yeah, just like, ugh. I had a, like, I had a fake boyfriend. Oh my God. What, did he live in, in Canada? No, he went to a different school, obviously. <laughs> and uh, so embarrassing. <laughs> did you have a picture of him? I did. Or- oh my God. This is the most embarrassing story ever. <laughs> yes. I, so what I did. Give, <laughs> give. Our listeners, meaning my brother, the content they deserve. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, in middle school, that's when everybody started, like, having quote-unquote boyfriends, you know, mm-hmm. or just being like, who's your crush or who do you like? And I I was, like, so scared of being found out of, like, I'm not allowed to have a boyfriend because I'm going to have an arranged marriage. Like, right. N- did not want to have in, that conversation. In like five years. Yeah. Oh, the worst. So that was the worst thing that could ever happen. Was You'll see my boyfriend at prom. <laughs> yeah. Because we'll be married. Right. Oh, my God. So I I said that I had this boyfriend who went to a different school. And what I did was I found a yearbook. I got an old yearbook and, and picked a boy that was like a few years ahead of me and just like cut out his picture like the teeny little black and white picture and I like put it in a locket that I had (laughs) you heathen I just used this random person I didn't know him at all and then you know when people were asking me about it I would like oh yeah here's this picture and then oh my god at one I was at a school dance and um I had like showed somebody or something and then this other a uh, girl who was in my class came up to me and was like, I heard you're showing people a picture of my brother and saying it's your boyfriend. <laughs> and I was like, no, it's not him. <laughs> like, oh, no. oh, it was so embarrassing. It was the worst thing ever. <laughs> and then I stopped having a fake boyfriend. I don't know. I, I like broke up with him. <laughs> 
and was like, oh, I've been found out. Oh, it was no. horrifying. Awful. That's yeah. so awful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't go that far just because there was like no hope for me. Um, like I had a weird name. My parents wouldn't let me go to any school dances. And so like, I don't know. It was like, I, I was already like too weird that like there wasn't any hope for me. Um, and even like, like I, I tried to fit in all the time still, but it, and like, I never told anyone, but it was just like, I feel like there was always an assumption, like something is off with that one or something. <laughs> Uh, yeah it's so rough i feel like uh when have you watched the americans yes i felt like very much a kinship to that show where yeah you have a secret life you have yeah dual identities absolutely if they had like told the kids like what was up earlier that would have been like essentially a representation of our life without all of the guns, although now my parents are collecting guns left and right. Oh, no. But like <laughs> that's a different story. But like, um, yeah, because it it the stakes did feel that high because yeah. like parents would tell us like, you know, don't tell anyone, or like, I don't know about you, but I feel like a lot of us heard different stories about like maybe when we were younger and other families in the neighborhood found out that we were church families and then wouldn't let their kids play with us. Yep. I so also heard about people losing their jobs yeah. or, you know, I like mean, yeah. your parents could lose their jobs. Um, I, I mean, I know both my parents were like arrested when they were fundraising at oh, different no. times. Yeah. Um, but it seemed like, for me, the stakes, just knowing that like a previous playmate of mine, like hadn't been allowed to play with me for a little while because of the church. Like, yeah, that was like enough. We used to go to uh, a Christian church down the street from us because the, you, we grew up in a town where there were no other um, families. Um, so we would go to like the local Christian church um, when we didn't want to drive an hour and a half to like... <laughs> The, yeah, the closest center or whatever, or or the other family's houses, and so um, I had joined the bell choir, and I had friends. Oh, bell there. choir is the coolest. Bell choir was awesome. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, we, I was in bell choir. Um, I was in like one of the pageants that they did. Um, I had friends there, and we would we were going to yeah we would go to like weekly Sunday school or whatever. Um, but apparently my mom had just been completely open about like, yeah, we're not at, you know, we're actually unificationists and this is what we believe. And in her like adult Bible study or whatever oh, that no. she would like talk. Yeah. And then eventually I was also the weird kid in Sunday school who would ask like strange questions and Me be like, that's too. not how I learned it. Yes. <laughs> they would get really angry. But anyway, at, at some point the the head of the church, the pastor or whoever was like, listen, you got to stop talking about this. Uh, You can come if you stop talking about this or you got to go. And basically we left and it was, it, it felt like we were getting kicked out. Yeah. They, they sent a letter to my mom and was like, yeah, 
you either have to shut up or you have to leave. And so then we were just out. We left. And that was, I remember crying the next day at school, telling my friends about like not being able to go to church anymore. And I was like, just crying so much. And I still remember that to this day, like that feeling of like, oh, yeah, it's not safe to, um, talk about this or or to be this at all people will reject you and so you have to hide it at all costs yeah it's really terrifying because when you're a kid it's like you like I feel like all you want to do is belong and then you know you have to hide some that huge part of you yeah um that happened to our family but I was too little to really know what was going on. And I, it's like, I just knew that like, yeah, one year I participated in the Christmas pageant and then the next year I didn't. Yeah. Um, and, but like, I don't know. I think my dad was like a youth pastor in a local Methodist church. Oh, wow. And then, yeah, then my mom, the way my parents explained it, they were like, oh, you're the everyone got worried that, you know, we'll just end up converting all the kids to like unification. Uh, which that's I was what like, my mom said, too. Yeah. She was, was like, like, looking yeah, back, they- <laughs> it's like the early 90s. I was like, I, like Satanism was just around the corner, the whole satanic panic yeah. and like cult stuff was still like really crazy. I'm like, I could see like people in a small town being like wait why are you even in this church if this is not what you believe because you know it was like not just that like we were living farther away from the main church it was that like we were told by our church to by reverend moon to go to like other christian churches right because when you and i were like either just born or very little Robert Moon went to jail for tax evasion. Yeah. Or prison. Yeah. And then, um, but a lot of like Christian ministers came to his defense. Right. And so that started this whole new thing in our church where it was like, oh, instead of just going out and witnessing to people one-on-one in the streets, what if we like make friends with ministers and their congregations and then somehow get them to wholesale con- convert to our religion. Yeah. And so everyone was supposed to pick a church. So I know like we live kind of far away from New York and like the big church over there, but oftentimes the families in our area would have a home church on Saturday so that yeah. on Sunday we could go to a different church. Mm. So it was a little bit sneaky. <laughs> but also christians are weird uh, christians are super weird listen so i i also had a phase uh where i tried really hard to fit in with like normal christians because oh, i had totally. a lot of friends who were really uh like evangelical christian and they were really into this so i tried really hard to fit in there but of course i was like i i never really fit in there either um, yeah, just all the pretending. And- well, when we were teenagers, uh, the that fucking book came out. Oh, about uh, dating. Kiss yeah, your- I kissed dating goodbye. Yes. Joshua Harris. Yes, yeah, and the the whole purity ring yes. thing with like the true love weight stuff, which 
I was like, holy shit, Reverend Moon just like ripped that off and and took a Korean word and put it on it and made it into the Ilshim ceremony that we did. Remember? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, I went to one of the first Ilsham ceremonies and we all got true love weights rings. Yeah. And it was like essentially that ceremony, but like, I don't know, in a, in a art church. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I I don't really like any religion anymore. <laughs> you it's, guys. <laughs> it's really hard once you deconstruct the faith that you were born into or the you yeah. know whatever dogma that you were born into once you deconstruct that it it kind of I feel like everything else kind of falls apart with it I don't know totally especially, especially Christianity because especially <laughs> our our whole thing about church was like Christianity has it wrong and yeah. <laughs> all the ways that that's wrong and then it's like how do you go back to Maybe especially in America, because I feel like True. Christianity uh, also with our church is like so tied into politics yes. that it feels really oppressive. And also as someone who also got in trouble for asking the wrong questions when I was sent to Methodist church, like, I'm just like, how strong is your religion if if like you're this threatened by like a nine year old asking a fucking <laughs> innocent question? Right. Like, let's calm down. I feel like, I don't know. I've heard in like England and other places, it's so much more secular. Like everyone just celebrates Christmas without like an uproar about whether you say Merry Christmas or not. Like people just like, it is do their thing. Just like you could be culturally Jewish and just like, right. You know, eat food, hang out at a Seder, whatever. It's like not important to believe or not. Right. Yeah. Anyway. So Elizabeth's really embarrassed. (laughs) 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 And we didn't even talk about Wisp, which would be a game I would like to play at some point. I'm not very good at these like at like board games or other. Are you good at do you guys like board games? Um, I used to like them a lot when I was a kid. Now my children are into board games. They really like Monopoly. And I play it and I'm like, this is capitalist propaganda. (laughs) (laughs) I have some friends who are like really into like new board games. Like one is even a board game designer and they like make stuff and play a different one. Like every time they meet up and I'm like, these are too many rules and I'm very confused and I don't like this. But I feel like Jane Austen is always talking about card games. And I I'm like, like card games. I feel like it would be fun to learn how to play Wisp because yeah. it's not just in Pride and Prejudice that it's mentioned. I feel like I remember reading about it when it, I, I was a kid in Around the World in 80 Days mm-hmm. and just being like, this is what grown up men who have monocles and cigars play <laughs> and they drink whiskey. And that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I have no idea. Whist. It sounds like one of those, like, like bridge or something, you know, like my grandma had a bridge. My grandma played bridge and she had yeah. like friends that would come over every week to play bridge together. And it was her thing. Yeah. I it guess feels like whist a, is like a, a related to bridge. If I'm yeah. understanding it. Okay. Correctly. But it's like an easier game to play, so you can just use it to like get drunk and meet people. Nice. 
which is why like cards are often at the center of most of these parties. If it's not, Mm. if it's not like a ball and dancing, it's like a card game that can be played mostly pretty easily. So you're just chatting with people. Right. That's cool. And then there's this game lottery tickets that Lydia is really into and there's betting and fish and i just don't know at all what this game is and i really want to know (laughs) i know i think it's something to do with like some cards are face up and some cards are face down and then those are like fish that you win or or something i don't know again i'm not great at card games i just thought it was really interesting because i was just reading about card games I guess during the Great Depression, card playing became in vogue because it was mm. something you could do with like no money. Yeah. A like, deck of cards is really cheap. A deck of cards is really cheap. You need one for like a group of people. Um, you can use it over and over again. And yeah. so that's when we really started having like poker clubs and bridge clubs and like ah. all these card games games like across america that sort of led to their popularity but it was like really for like people who had no money back then but i guess card games started out for the rich of course right and then a few hundred years later everyone gets to play right (laughs) (laughs) we just needed more um card games in our moody childhood to you know to relate to other people (laughs) fucking like any kind of fun it was like all of our holidays sucked there was just like waking up earlier than normal on a holiday right that was our traditions (laughs) to like pray and like i don't know i used to really like um god's day which what is wrong with you what what well why would you like god's day because it was like a big I didn't like the the actual. I didn't like like waking up early, but we used to. You're do, talking about waking up early on New Year's Day. New Year's Day. So the day that everyone w- goes stays up <laughs> okay. late and wakes up late. Yeah. we're waking up again four thirty five. <laughs> okay, what did you like about? I that? didn't like that part. What I liked was there used to be a big like party, like a big celebration on January first where all of the families from all over the place used to come together and we would have food and just like, I would get to see kid like the kids yeah. my age that I I wouldn't see through, normally throughout the year, except like at camp over the summer. And yeah. so, and you know, it, it was just really fun. It was a fun day and you could play in the snow if there was snow. Um, so I, I used to like that. I but. guess I feel like a few times we did have a short like winter workshop or yeah. something where we would hang out around then. But before we did that, like I would have to go to New York for God's Day for like a, a big official church celebration, which involved like being in the New Yorker Hotel's ballroom. Yeah. With like hundred like it felt like a hundred screaming kids like we'd be in the overflow room oh, if I you remember small being there. kids yeah I yeah, remember being and, there as a small child and just yeah yeah and it just like it would like stink like dirty diapers or something you know and you there'd just be like screeching and right. then there would be and you're some, just bored <laughs> and then there would be like some speaker's voice being like piped into the room yeah. and 
like the adults want to listen or chat with the other adults and you're just like what the hell are we doing here right like i don't know so yeah uh uh anti-god's day (laughs) (laughs) well and then the weirdest part was i you know the night before you know new year's eve that's when like i remember you know when my when i was old enough to like friends would have parties and stuff for new year's eve and then it was like nope you stay at home and you have to wait until midnight and then when everybody's shouting happy new year you're praying (laughs) okay but also before that you have to write a list of all your sins for the year and then burn it burn it yeah oh my god dude like a couple of years ago i was invited to was it a new year's party oh it was a winter solstice party. Okay. So like right before Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Same same time. Yeah. And it was like, it was just like a party. They're like kind of woo-woo people. Yeah. I think I know where she this is going. <laughs> had us write down things to burn. And I was just like, no. No. <laughs> I, like, I, I, I can't do oh that. God. Yeah. I, I remember like, being taking that so seriously i mean uh, on the one hand like writing down your goals or like reflecting on the year that's like a totally innocent and great thing to do but i remember before i did any of that it was like write down everything that you did wrong and everything you feel bad about and i just remember some years just like i being like so full of shame and yeah and having uh, yeah and just oh man yeah you could have used some white soup at that point (laughs) 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 would have made it go a little easier yeah i need some white soup and some whist and (laughs) oh little drunk kids playing cards that would be hilarious It it does seem like a, I mean, I, teenagers would drink wine at these parties, I'm sure. Oh yeah. But it just, it just does seem like a loophole to like (laughs) get a (laughs) little buzzed off the soup. Back in the day, I think also the level of alcohol in things was like very different. Oh yeah. Like, cause a lot of times, at least in early American times, they're like, they're the drink, I know drinking water was so unreliable yeah. that you would need to ferment something to make like essentially a beer, but it would maybe just be like a couple percentage alcohol or something. Oh, so okay. like everyone in the family would drink it. Right. Um, and it was only again, like around just before the depression in the twenties when like, like real liquor came on to the scene and then that's when like people went crazy got it (laughs) and that's why we had prohibition (laughs) because like all of a sudden like people were used to some amount of alcohol and then all of a sudden people were coming back and like knocking back like actual whiskey or something and then that was like a real problem anyway um (laughs) for next week what are we supposedly (laughs) talking about is it chapters 19 through 21 yeah, that's it. Those are the chapters. Woohoo. I'm excited to see what happens next. I feel like this is getting like major drama. There's the now. the the tension is building. 
we're like feeling this dissonant chord that we really want to resolve. It's yeah, it's getting it's getting good. Oh, I also wanted to mention in these chapters, we get this uh, and in the next chapters, I think we get this refrain of Lady Catherine de Bourgh over yeah. and over and over again, which I, in my head, my musical head, it just sounds like every time that name comes up, it's like Trump. It's like, da, da, da. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this constant refrain. <laughs> I don't know why, but I feel like I picture her as a bird or something. I just like, it uh-huh. appear, like her like flying in and yeah. then like, like a peacock, like, like a strutting peacock or something. <laughs> something like that. I feel like one that flies, though, maybe. Mm. I don't know. Um, but yeah, just like kind of bowling in there and then leaving. Right. <laughs> She's like, here I am. Yeah, her presence is all around and we have not actually met her yet. <laughs> yes. But she keeps being, yeah, she keeps being thrust upon us. Totally. Um, yeah, so next week's chapters are 19 through 21. Mm-hmm. Read them or not, and we'll see you next week. Yeah, and we'll give you a really long summary about what happens, whether unless or not you're reading ha- Unless nothing happens, and then we won't talk about it. <laughs> we'll just talk about our sad stories about being kicked out of church. <laughs> oh, God. I did not know that was going to come up today. I know, right? <laughs> Lady Catherine de Bourgh. You have a favorite line from this week's reading? Yeah. Oh, I want to try something. Yeah. I want to see if I can guess your favorite line. Well, let me pick one first. I feel like none of them, I don't think any of them jumped out at me. Really? Um, okay, well, I have a couple. Okay, let me hear yours. You can steal one of mine if I, you want. I'll probably steal. <laughs> so this is the one that I was going to guess was your favorite line. It's um, when uh, Lizzie agrees to dance with Darcy and uh, Charlotte's like, just be cool and you'll he's probably going to be fine and then lizzie says heaven forbid that would be the greatest misfortune of all to find a man agreeable whom is determined who who one is determined to hate do not wish me such an evil okay that's pretty amazing i will choose that one. <laughs> uh. Lizzie, I I love her so much. She's great. I just like she's the best. She is. She's very she's, good. I feel like Jane is like just a little bit boring, at least in these chapters, although she makes an excellent point about like let's not just like totally believe everything Mr. Wickham says without right. giving some credit to Mr. Darcy. Right. But Jane is just always happy and in, in the corner with Bingley. And then Lizzie's just sticking her foot in her mouth sometimes and just like going out there doing her thing yeah (laughs) um what do you had did you have another favorite line yeah so my other favorite part is right before lizzie 
um, right before Mr. Collins goes to introduce himself to Darcy and Lizzie is like, no, 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 that's not a good idea. And she's telling him all the reasons why. And then Jane Austen gives this line about how Mr. Collins is taking in the information, which I think is just like, I know this guy. Like, yes. okay, she, she says, Mr. Collins listens to her with the determined air of following his own inclination. <laughs> like, that is so amazing. Uh, oh, she's truly the best writer of all time. I love her so much. Yeah, she's great. Yeah, like you're like, oh yeah, I know people who are just listen waiting for when they can speak. They're like, yeah, okay, I'm listening to you, but I'm I'm still going to do my thing anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like that is such a mansplaining move yes. too to just be like, oh, okay, I'm so I'm going to nod this. and not listen to you. Right. And then I'm going to tell you all the reasons why you're actually wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, have you been reading anything else these days or watching anything fun? Um, I, well, I found a new YouTube channel that might be Ooh. of interest to people. <laughs> In particular, who yes, uh, us and people who might listen to this podcast, it's called Fundy Fridays, and they oh no, what ta- is this about? <laughs> they talk about Christian fundamentalism, <gasps> um, and so every every week is a new like thing about a particular group, and we're on it. <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> There's a Unification Church episode where she and she does it while so she talks about it while she's doing her makeup. It's like one of those things. Um, but she's she's great and she does a lot of work on it. Um, and she's got like a dry sense of humor and um, nice. but she's also really respectful. And I don't know. I like it. You could check it out if you want to. But yeah, the Unification Church episode was good, although she did mix up um, Hyunjinim and Hyungjinim when she was talking well, about them, which is does. very easy to do. <laughs> the Reverend Moon had like 13 kids. They all have the same middle name, Jin. Yeah. And then they have one syllable before that word, Jin, that's yeah. like their unique name. Right. And so there's Hyungjin. Hyunjin, yeah. Hyojin, Hungjin. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's like other ones. There's like Youngjin. And, and all the other Jins. Like that. Yeah. And Heijin, I think. And yeah, but th- those few are very easy to get confused. Right, right. <laughs> um, usually in the church, they would be listed as like H1 or H2. Yeah. Hyunjin or Hyungjin. Or you use their American names. Yeah, which I always get confused about. It's um, Sean and Preston. Oh. <laughs> um, well, I have not been learning about the church at all. Uh, but I I read a book this week that I really liked called Housekeeping by Marilyn Robinson. Mm-hmm. And it's been on my like to read list for a long time. I think I've had this book out for like, four months from the library, at least maybe Mm -hmm. five. I've really taken advantage of the library. My local library is like not charging any fines during the pandemic, Yes, which is amazing policy. Um, Yeah. So I read that, which I liked. 
it's kind of a dreamy book. And so I feel like there's nothing to really point to, but Mm -hmm. I'm just like, it's about these girls who grow up together. (laughs) But I really like that. And then Andrew and I have been watching for a long time. We watch a show on Netflix. It's called men on a mission. Mm hmm. But it's like a Korean variety show called Anun Hyungnim or The Knowing Brothers. Oh. And it's like a show with like seven hosts. Yeah. And they act like they're in school. They're like all in desks. And then each week there's like new transfers to their school who like come and introduce themselves. And so there's like new students and then those are really the guests of the show. And then they usually do some activity together. Um, and it sounds weird, but it's like really funny because uh, it's the same seven hosts every week. And they like have all these interpersonal relationships and they tease each other a lot. And they're always like playing games with their guests, but like they play dirty. So they always want to win. Um, there was a recent episode with the Korean pop star Rain and JYP, which was really good. But yeah, it's just like a fun, dumb show. Like, yeah, you know, when you just need to watch something that you're like, this isn't going to like, yeah, like, I don't know. I'll just like giggle a few times. Right. And like eat my dinner or whatever. It's perfect. Right. Oh, speaking of like fun, wholesome Korean content. um, Have you watched Kim's Convenience? I haven't. It's it's fun. I've watched a lot of Korean dramas, uh, but I haven't watched that one yet. Yeah, it's a comedy and it's set in Canada. It's a Korean family in Canada. And it's just very it's like easy watching like no drama yeah you know funny sweet yeah my favorite k drama that's also on netflix is stranger and it is like a story of like uh government uh corruption and it's like kind of a thriller and it's very very well done and I love it so much and it stars Bay Duna who's like a beautiful actress uh-huh um it's really good but it's really tense so yeah that's not what I watch when I just like need to wind right. down at the end of the day okay so really next week <laughs> we're <talking laughs> for, about, for real this time <laughs> we're talking about chapters what is it 19 yeah 21 to 21 yeah okay we're going to get a lot Sounds more good. Mr. Collins. No, he <laughs> sucks. <laughs> okay. Hey, everyone. Thanks for joining us. As always, you can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can email us, janeaustinculturenight at gmail.com. And um, I think you can send us voice messages on Anchor, too. So uh, check that out. I don't really know how to use it yet, but if you send us a message, I will figure it out. Okay, see you next time. Man, we were all over the place with this one. I like being a little all over the place. I do, too. It's fun. Okay. (laughs)